0: hello everyone you welcome to this and that this and that is a podcast that seeks to talk about anything and everything so on today's episode we have a familiar voice on this podcast dr darius daniels comes in again with an episode titled enemies of excellence enjoy listening Well, hey, what's up, family, and welcome back, or welcome the first time. I'm Darius Daniels, and I'm excited to have you with us. Today in our time together, I want to talk about the enemies of excellence, the enemies of excellence. So throughout this series, we have attempted to articulate and establish what what we believe to be, what I believe to be at least, a biblical truth that it is God's expectation that we make the most of, that we maximize, that we properly steward gifts, talents, and acquired skill he has graciously given to us. We can look at parables in the Bible, specifically a parable that Jesus tells in Matthew chapter 25 about an owner who distributes five, two, and one talent to three different people and comes back later and asks for them to give an account of how they managed and maximize what God, what the owner who represents God gave to them. And I believe as it is in that parable, so it is in our lives, God has given us all gifts, talents, and acquired skill. And as opposed to becoming obsessed and and fixated on, intimidated by, or comparing myself to the five, the two that someone else has, what God expects of me is to properly manage what I do have. There are some, there are times when we, can, when we are unable to properly steward what we do have because we are so conscious of and consumed by what we don't have. The person who got two talents in that parable in Matthew chapter 5, 25, could not properly maximize and manage their two talents if they were upset, offended, felt that they were handled unjustly because they didn't get five talents. God does not expect me to be responsible for what he has not given me. Oh, my goodness. Did you hear what I just said? God doesn't expect me. God simply expects expects me to maximize what he's given me. And because that person was focused in Matthew 25 and maximize what the owner gave them, he gave them two. But when he came back, the man had flipped it to four. I want to tell somebody this flipping season if this is flipping season. So let's not complain, uh oh, or be upset or offended with the little joy we have. Flip it. Let's not be upset and complain about the little piece we have. Flip it. Let's not be offended by come on the little opportunity we have flip it because little is much when you place it in the hands of God. And if you will manage it properly, God will multiply it in a way that's exceedingly and abundantly above all you ask or think. I want to tell somebody that's even watching this whenever or wherever you're watching this, you've got enough. It might not feel like it. It might not look like it. It may not seem like it to others, but you have enough. So what God family expects us to do is to manage our enough with excellence. And we're doing this teaching on excellence because we're trying to I'm attempting to expand our understanding of godliness. We are made in the image and in the likeness of God. I'm going to say that again. Genesis 126. We are made male and female in the image and likeness of God. It doesn't mean that everything God is, we are. There's something we call in theological spaces, incommunicable attributes. These are attributes of God that distinguish him from humans that he does not uh, distribute to us. God is omni. We're not omni. God is omnipotent. He's got omnipotent. All power he's omniscient he's got all knowledge we don't have all power we have some power right we don't have all knowledge we have some knowledge but there are aspects of god's existence that he distributes to us and he wants us to display and represent in the world and um what what i found is many times in christian spaces we reduce and we relegate godliness to ethics So when people say live godly, it just means live right. Come on. And people reduce and relegate even the meaning of holiness to just ethics. Be holy, meaning live right. And that's not even what holy means. Holy means set apart. Good God Almighty. Holy means reserved for exclusive use. Come on. So the point that I'm making, family, is godliness. Does godliness include ethics? Yes. Is God ethical? Yes. But displaying and demonstrating the image and likeness of God is more than you and I just um, displaying and demonstrating ethics. God is ethical, but he's more than ethical. He's wise. So if I'm going to be godly, I also need to be wise. Does that make sense? God is strong. So if I'm going to be godly, I also need to display strength. God is full of grace and truth. So if I'm going to walk in the image and likeness of God, it means that I need to display grace and truth. And God is also excellent. Excellence is godliness. Come on. So we need to walk in, demonstrate and display excellence. And we've established in this teaching that the spirit of excellence is actually the spirit of God. Webster defines excellence as being of superior quality. And when we examine excellence from this particular perspective, we can conclude convincingly that God is excellent he's not average he's not ordinary he's just good he's excellent and I'm talking to some people that are watching me right now who have a revelation that God is superior in quality this is the way we used to say it in church can't nobody do me like Jesus (laughs) can't nobody do me like the Lord I'm gonna see I'm gonna see watch this I want to see I want to see who grew up in choir church. I don't know. We, I don't, we, uh, listen, I, I want to know, because if you grew up in choir church, I'm about to say, winning uh, a church with choirs. All right. I'm about to say something. So some of you didn't, and, and it's OK, but some of you did. Now, I'm about, to, I'm about to throw this out there. And if you grew up in choir church, you're going to feel this one. Oh, Lord, how excellent. How excellent. How excellent. <laughs> right. Who remembers that? God's excellent, y'all. Some of y'all sing that. In all the earth. Y'all, y'all, y'all grew up. You grew up on that one. That's that that's that choir verse, right? Earth, in all the earth. <laughs> yeah. We bring choirs back. But listen, <laughs> that song was based on a scripture found in Psalms 8.1. That says. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name. In all the earth, his name reflects and reveals his character. So when it says his name is excellent, it's saying his reputation is excellent. He's got an excellent reputation. He's excellent in his person that's who he is and he's excellent in his performance that's what he does and I believe that's his expectation of us right that we be excellent in our person that's who we are and that we're also excellent in our performance that is what we Do listen to me, ladies and gentlemen, and it is God's expectation that we embrace and display excellence, not because it benefits him, but because it benefits us, because all of God's instruction is for your advancement. Everything that God tells you to do, come on, everything that God tells you to do, he tells you and I to do it, not because it benefits him, but he tells you and I to do it because it benefits us. Are you following me? excellence. And so throughout this teaching, we've, we've articulated what excellence does. We, 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 we looked at Daniel's life and we've seen what it does for him. And we talked about how you can't accomplish purpose without reaching your potential and how you can make a difference, not reaching your potential, but you can't make your difference without reaching your potential, reaching your potential uh means that you're that you're living in excellence in your person and in your performance, doing the best you can with the resources you have available. Excellence. We talked about the different areas when we looked at Sheba that we can display and demonstrate excellence in. But there's something that I've learned There's something that I've learned as a pastor and as a coach that I want to spend some time leaning in here today. Watch this. And that is if you're going to accomplish anything long term, you've got to learn the skill of identifying and overcoming the obstacles. That's in any area of life. Right. So I can teach someone the I can teach someone prayer. I can say, hey, you need to pray. I can tell I can tell them different types of prayers. Prayers of supplication, prayers of thanksgiving, prayers of authority, right? Prayers of intercession. I could tell them different types of prayers. And I can say, you need to incorporate this into your life, but you cannot incorporate anything new, long-term into your life without the skill, without developing the skill of identifying and overcoming obstacles. Even when you look throughout scripture, you will see that in order for people to experience God's intention, they had to overcome some obstacles. To get to, come on, to get out of Egypt, they had to overcome the obstacle of Pharaoh and the plagues. Then they had to overcome the obstacle of the Red Sea. And to get from the wilderness into Canaan, they had to overcome the obstacle of Jericho walls. Come on, watch around the walls once a day for six days on the seven day walk around seven times then shout and the walls fall because all of God's promises are preoccupied with opposition and it's your ability to identify and overthrow the opposition that determines whether or not you reach the promise and I want to know am I talking to anybody today that's made a decision you made a decision definitively I'm going after what God has for me I'm going after excellence. and, And this means I'm willing to identify and overthrow the obstacles that get in my way. So going back to my point about prayer, I can tell someone to pray, but if they're going to incorporate prayer into their life regularly, they're going to have to learn how to deal with the things that get in the way of them actually praying. Watch this. Have you ever noticed this? If this makes sense to you right now, when I make this statement, if you're feeling this, I just want you to put me in the chat. If you're feeling this, listen to me. Have you ever found found this? Have you ever observed this in your life that when you get ready to do something? Watch this. That's going to benefit you the most. The enemy attacks you the hardest. If that's you, put me in the chat. Right? I noticed I noticed. When I fast, that's when my cravings for certain things are the highest. It's like. I fast from candy, then I see candy everywhere. Because remember, the enemy attacks you the most in the area he's most afraid of you getting together. So the attack of the enemy is confirmation that you're heading in the right direction. He's afraid of what's on the other side of you executing that thing. So when it comes then to living this life of excellence, we've got to follow The we got to follow the scriptural advice of a sage named Solomon, who says this in Solomon chapter 2, verse number 15 Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. So, Solomon is saying he's using the imagery of a garden, right? Or a vineyard. And he's saying, listen, that a vineyard can produce, a vineyard can, can bloom, a, a, a vineyard should be fruitful. He says, but if I am going to experience fruitfulness in the vineyard, I've got to deal with foxes and foxes represent those little things that inhibit our ability to be fruitful. There are these little things that come in quickly and swiftly and eat away, at our fruitfulness. He didn't say lions. He didn't say tigers. He didn't say bears. He said foxes. And I am telling some of you right now, when it comes to your fruitfulness, there are foxes that are in the way. It's not the big things that are killing you. It's the little things that are killing your fruitfulness. And when it comes to us living a life of excellence, and who wouldn't want that? It honors God. It attracts Sheba. It elevates and brings increase to you. It positions you, it promotes you, it protects you. Who wouldn't want that? But if we're going to have that, we got to identify these foxes. I want to talk to you about seven foxes, seven enemies of excellence that we need to identify and overcome. Here they are. If you're ready for number one, say yes. Here's the first one. It's the first fox, the first enemy of excellence. Number one, laziness. Now, when I say y'all, y'all not, y'all, I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> not, when I say laziness, I don't want you to confuse laziness with fatigue. Okay, so watch this. Fatigue is a lack of energy. Got me? Lazy is the is the lack of the willingness to work or use energy. I'm going to say that one more time. I'm going to say that one more time now. OK. When I say laziness, I'm not talking about fatigue. We all get fatigued and we need to replenish and refuel. Right. OK. So that's not what I'm talking about, because of, because when a person is dealing with fatigue, they're dealing with a lack of energy. Laziness isn't a lack of energy. It's a lack of willingness to use energy. It is to you. It is to have energy and still make a decision to be idle. Here is the word that Proverbs uses regularly to describe a lazy person. In Proverbs 26, verse 14, it says this as a door turns on its hinges. So a slugger turns on his bed. Come on now, a door turning on its, this isn't just a metaphor here of how a slugger turns in the bed, but the writer uses a metaphor of a door being open because doors give you access, right, to different rooms and doors can represent opportunities. And what the text says here is so strong. It says, now watch this, the door is turning on its hinges. So it's opening or closing and the, and the person should be walking through the door before the door is closed shut. But while the door is turning on their hinges, instead of being up out of bed, walking through a door, they're turning over in their bed. And some people are missing their doors because they won't get out of bed. Come on. Bed, not not a bed, literally, but a bed metaphorically. Some of y'all right now need to you need to share this with some right now. I believe God's dropping names on your heart that you need to text this link to and say you need to pop on this right now. Or when this is over, you need to say, listen, you need to watch this replay. If there are some people that you know have potential. That God wants to unlock and unleash. I want you to make sure you get this in. Watch this though. The door turns on his hinges. A slugger turns in bed. How many people miss doors not because they were lost, but because they were lazy. Unwilling to do the work. I'm going to tell you something. You've never seen somebody great and lazy. God is excellent. Come on. But God's also great. Great is the Lord. Come on. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. You've never seen anybody great lazy because you can't be great being lazy. Getting good requires work. Getting good at speaking requires work. Getting good at leading requires work. Getting good at relationships requires work. That's a completely different conversation there. I have no idea why people assume they can get better at relationships through osmosis. Like anything requires work. It's it's the law of sowing and reaping. I don't reap if I don't sow. But sowing is work and reaping is work. And Proverbs says, as a door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard turns on his bed. See, watch this. Laziness is relative, guys. Laziness is relative. See, you don't have to be lazy in everything. You can just be lazy in some things. And what happens is many people are not lazy in the areas that bring the least benefit to their life. Is this too real tonight? They're not lazy when it comes to going out. They get up out of the bed to go out. Come on, y'all. Come on. Come on. Let's be honest. Right. <laughs> you there have been times you have been in the bed. Now, some of you are like, when you're in that bed, it's over. It's a wrap. It's a wrap. You, you know, Jesus got to come back for you to get out of that bed. But some of you know, you've been in bed, supposedly in for the night. Somebody hit you on the text and like, yo, pull up. You're like, oh, I'm in bed. They're like, come on. And you. Come on, we get we get up out of bed for recreation, but won't get out of bed for elevation. But the devil's a liar. And this is your season to identify and arrest laziness and make a decision. I'm not going to use energy. I'm not going to invest energy into things that are giving me the least return on my life. And so, you know how we we um, we rebuke everything else. This is the season to rebuke laziness. Somebody put yes in that chat. <laughs> Let me give you one more. Can I give you one more scripture, guys? Uh, Proverbs 10:4. Proverbs 10:4. Watch this. Proverbs 10-4 says this: lazy hands make for poverty. Come on here. Come on here. Come on here. Lazy hands make for poverty. Now, this is not dismissing the reality of systemic issues that contribute to plights of poverty for certain people. That's not it's not dismissing that reality. But when the scriptures, this is why the scriptures have so much to say about justice and equity and things of that particular nature. All right. Uh, The psalmist says God's throne sits on righteousness and justice. Those are the two legs that the seat of his throne rests upon. So I'm not dismissing that because I know some of you are going there with me. I'm not dismissing that. But what the scriptures seem to do is they challenge us to take a comprehensive look on what actually contributes to the plight of some people. And it is not always external and systemic. Is that a reality? Yes. But there are also, there's also times where this exists because of a lack of personal responsibility. So it's not either or it's both. We've got to deal with sinful systems that contribute to plights of poverty for certain people. And then we also have to deal with personal responsibility and give people the revelation that the principles of God and the power of God can empower you to succeed and to overcome in spite of God Almighty. I want somebody that, that, that's getting this revelation to say I'm going to do it anyway. If they say you're too old and you're facing ageism, do it anyway. If they say you're the wrong gender and you're facing sexism, do it anyway. If they say you're the wrong class and you're facing classism, do it anyway. If they say you're the wrong race and you're facing racism, do it anyway. I'm going to do it anyway. My father made sure I was very clear on the obstacles that I would face trying to navigate my way through society. He made sure I was very clear on that. I was not naive to that. I did my best and doing my best to make sure my boys are very clear on these are the hurdles that you specifically will probably have to overcome that are gonna be unique to you. It doesn't mean that nobody else has challenges, it means that you will have a challenge that only people like you can have. There's one challenge you have that nobody else will be able to. Have got me so you can have all you can have all the challenges that everybody else can have, but there's one challenge you're gonna have that that everybody might not necessarily have. So here's the point. So I want to make sure they're aware of that. But what my father also did was make sure I was clear that that doesn't dictate my destiny, that how I grow and where I go isn't just based on what they do, it's based on what I do. Somebody put in the chat, it's my season. Yeah, my destiny is not in the hands of anybody else. It's my season. It's my time. And the text says lazy hands make for poverty. That can be poverty financially. Watch this. That can be poverty relationally. Some people have not all, but some people have poor relational. They do not have relational wealth because they're lazy. They don't want to put in the work. You, you, they want to build a bear boo. Y'all remember those stories in the mall, Build a Bear? That's what some people want. You want a Build a Bear boo. Go in and say, "I want this, 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 this." Already ready-made. No, 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 no. You have to participate in the building. Lazy hands make for poverty, financially, relationally, spiritually. You can't spiritually grow and be lazy. You can't. can't we can't be spiritually excellent and be lazy. Do you see how laziness is a fox? Right, because it's, it's almost like we think lions, tigers, bears—those those big obstacles. You know, we think about addictions and strongholds, and for many of us, that's not what's destroying our fruitfulness. It's foxes. Most of us watching this, you aren't addicted to anything, but we're still not operating in an excellence, not because of a lion or a bear, but because of a fox. Laziness. All right, let me let me let me go. I got six more of these things. Number one, laziness. I hope you all ready for this. Number two, I don't know if you are. Let me pull up my scripture here because I know I'm gonna have to back this up with scripture because I, <laughs> I know this is about to be a tough one. Here's the second one. So the first one is laziness. The second one is, watch this, inadequate associates. Now watch this now. Come on. Come on. Come on now. When I say inadequate, I'm not insulting anyone's associates. I'm not saying, I'm sorry. I got my points mixed up. That's going to be my next point. It's going to be inadequate something. This point. So scratch that (laughs) because I know somebody put the chat already. It's unhealthy associates. My third point is going to be inadequate something, but it's unhealthy associates. And when I say this, I'm not I'm not. We're not judging them, their worthiness or their worth. And when I talk about when I say unhealthy, I don't mean like physical health. I mean, they're not emotionally healthy for you. Do you know that everybody that make you feel good is not good for you? Are we grown tonight or, or what? I'm trying to see how how real I can get here. I think y'all already, if if you already know what I'm, what, if, if you're reading what I'm not writing yet, just put, I feel you. I just put that in the chat. If, if you already know what, yeah, everything that and everyone that, Yes. So that can be physically, that can be emotionally. This is what the Bible says. Let me back this up. Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise and become wise. That's the book. I become like who I walk with. Watch this. For a companion of fools suffer harm. A companion of fool. It didn't say I have to be a fool. It say I just have to be a companion of them. Here's a cultural phrase that you may be familiar with. Association breeds assimilation. If I am surrounded by people that are not excellent, I won't be. And some of us are consumed with being around those that make us comfortable, not around those that make us better. Every time my life went to a new level, God sent somebody new in it. I feel like running. Did you hear what I just said? I said every time my life went to a new level. God sent someone new in it. When my businesses went to another level, it was because there are new people that came in. it. Come on. New mentors, coaches, spiritually, there are times when my life, when my life went to another level. Emotionally, somebody came in. It. I got exposed to somebody. And so some of your foxes are your friends. Okay, let me move. Let me move. Let me, let me, <laughs> let me move. Let me move. I got a long way to go. Number three, here's the a, here's a third fox. Inadequate preparation. Inadequate preparation. Luke chapter 14. Jesus said, no man builds a tower without counting the cost. Jesus said, no king goes to war without knowing how many troops that I have. Noah building the ark. It's a powerful picture of the importance of preparation. Excellence requires preparation. It's hard to be excellent in Russian. Guys, I cannot, listen to me. Listen to me. I believe in the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit, what the New Testament calls the anointing. That makes you uniquely ef- effective at something that you would not be as effective with uh, or in if it were not for God's assistance. God making you more persuasive. God making you more powerful. God making you more profound, like God making you more bold and courageous. Like I understand that. But I want you to understand something, too, that I'm I'm only able to teach tonight or whenever you ch- choose to watch this because I'm prepared. Even my Sunday messages, I'm prepared. My Daniel's Den, my mentoring and coaching group, I'm prepared a month ahead of time. Think about that. In Daniel's in, this is why you get a month at a glance. Literally detailing to you, this is what you're going to learn every week this month because it's prepared. Because there cannot be elevation without preparation. Preparation is actually prophetic. What you do, it's a prophetic picture. Like, did y'all catch what I just said? Like, your preparation is a prophetic act. It's saying to God, I believe so much in what's going to happen in the future. I'm engaging in some activity in my present. I'm preparing. Like so if you believe God's going to blow your mind, prepare. If you believe He's going to increase your influence, prepare. If you believe He's going to use you to speak to nations, prepare. If you believe He's going to use you to make a dent in the marketplace and you've been anointed and, and gifted with apostolic gifting to be entrepreneurial and innovative, come on, prepare. We're not prepared. Okay, here's number four, y'all not ready for this. You're not ready for number four. Let me pull this scripture up too, because uh I know we're not ready for this one. Okay, y'all, re- if you're ready for it, say yes. All right. Nosiness. What kind of teaching is this? What kind of teaching is this? There's that biblical Bible teaching. Nosy. Did he say nosiness? Yes. Nosiness. Darius, where is that in the Bible? Right here. First Thessalonians 4.11. Make it your ambition (laughs) to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business. (laughs) Somebody see. When you tell somebody that, all you're doing is just saying what the Bible say. (laughs) Some of you are like, I didn't even know I was quoting scripture when I was telling people, when I was telling my children that. I didn't even know I was quoting the Bible. (laughs) Mind your own business. Yeah. (laughs) and work with your hands now watch this watch this he's talking about focus here and he's actually talking about work because read the rest of the text just as we told you so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders when nosiness is present respect is absent and you cannot reach those that do not respect you So when Paul says outsiders here, he's talking about people that are outside the faith, outside the family of God, people that need to be impacted by the mission and the ministry that God's given you, people that need to be influenced by your example. He says, says, when you mind your own business and you work with your own hands, it aids and assists you in your ability to reach outsiders because you're gaining their respect. We cannot reach those that do not respect us. And I am telling you right now, this is a huge evangel hurdle and obstacle some of you have a difficult time getting people to come to church to be open to this faith because they don't respect it you are fighting against like when you're inviting some of you even have tried to get people to listen to me but because they have such disrespect for preachers in general because they've seen too much have been exposed to too much it, it you're like he's like i'm trying to get it's and it's not your fault it's it's a brand That Christianity is kind of developed, whether fairly or unfairly, that's a different discussion. But it is a brand that Christian, that Christians have its it's respect. And then he says this, and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. He says your daily life will win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be. So he says, when I mind my own business, come on now. It helps me with not only do I earn respect, I earn revenue. You know, some people too broke to be nosy. Did he just say yes? It's like the the time that people are investing in other people's affairs could be time that they're using to work with their own hands. Excellent people don't know everything that's going on with everybody. They are too busy running their own life. See, you see that? You see that? Again. It's not lions, tigers, and bears that's always killing us. It's these little foxes, these little things that are seemingly benign and inconsequential. Here's number five. Number five is ignorance. That's a fox. That's an enemy of excellence. Now, remember, ignorance doesn't mean that a person doesn't have intellect. It just means a person hasn't been exposed. And so, you know, When you know better, you do better. God only holds you responsible for what you've been exposed to. But there you know, there are some people that just haven't been exposed to different. And so they're just doing and demonstrating what they've been exposed to. This is why the law. This is why the law of environment is important. Your welfare and your well-being is not just determined by who you are, but equally impacted by who you with. And some of you right now, I'm telling you right now, because God's using you to try to, to, to expand the horizons of some people, to get people to see their potential. But maybe they live in an area that just hasn't exposed them to much. Or maybe they come from families where there's just kind of apathy and they don't want much. Here it is, guys. The way you fight that is by exposing them to more. I remember in the early days, and I do some of it now, but in the early days with our team, uh, at our church, with our staff, I I would say, hey, Come on, let's get on a plane. We're going here. <clears throat> We're not trying to be this other church. We're going to be us. But I need to expose you. This is the law of exposure. Once you expose, you can't be unexposed. Exposure in you awakens an appetite for something that you didn't have an appetite before for previously because you didn't know it existed. All right, number six. We out of time. Irritation. How is irritation, Doctor Darius? An enemy of excellence. Irritation comes from the word irritate, which means to excite, impatience, or to annoy. It's hard to be excellent when we're annoyed. And this, does that make sense? So I got to ask you a question. Well, no, I'm not even, I don't have time to even go there, but here's the point I want to give you permission to address the things that are contributing to your irritation. Why are you waiting for somebody else to get a revelation of what's irritating you? Because this is what, We just thought irritation was benign, many of us at least. We just said, okay, if I'm I'm irritated, maybe I need to be more patient. And maybe, yes, of course, you need to be more patient. But see, sometimes you're irritated for a reason. So your irritation is not always the result of you being an impatient person. Sometimes the irritation is externally caused. Sometimes we cause our own irritation, but sometimes the irritation is externally caused. It's like, we're doing something we shouldn't be doing. We're with people we shouldn't be with. We're being talked to in ways we shouldn't be talked to. And so when God places you in a space and in a season where you've got to deal with and manage something that's irritating you, that's one thing. But if God didn't put you there, that needs to be addressed because it's affecting your excellence. So if I was trying to teach to you tonight, and let's say something was going on that was irritating me, it would affect my ability to be excellent. hundred percent. All right. Now here's number seven. I'm done. Procrastination. OMG. (laughs) I know, (laughs) I know this is a tough one. I want you to catch this. Procrastination is based on the assumption that I always have another opportunity. Watch this. I want to make sure we're clear on what procrastination is. It is the act of willfully delaying something that could and should be done, right? So it's when you, it's when you willfully delay. It, it's not a delay that's beyond the dimension of your control. It is, it is something that you actually could control and contribute to, and there's a willful delay. and that's, And for many, it becomes a practice that becomes a habit. That turns into a part of our character. Watch this. Proverbs 26, 13 says a sluggard says there's a lion in the road. (laughs) A fierce lion roaming the streets. (laughs) What are they doing? (laughs) They're identifying and creating excuses to justify their lack of activity. There's a line out there and a diligent person, an excellent person. There's no line out there, bro. It's not a real obstacle. Family, I'm out of time. These foxes. They're little foxes. But the enemy wants to use them to spoil the vine. To rob us of our fruitfulness. To keep us from operating in excellence. And I'm getting ready to pray that whatever foxes have been spoiling. What God's doing in your life that those that those foxes will be ran out of that garden, that God will give you a strategy to keep those foxes out and to run them out if for any reason they get in. Because I am telling you, it's the little things that's getting in the way of you doing big things. Somebody write that down, please. It's the little things that's getting in the way of you doing I want you to catch that. man. I hope you were blessed tonight. I'm going to pray us out here in just a second. I want to pray these foxes off uh, our territory and out of our lives, but so grateful for the opportunity to just share God's word, man. And I enjoy doing this and I hope it's adding tremendous value to you. Incredible, incredible uh, privilege being with you. Can't wait. Uh, to see what God's going to do in this ministry. I want to pray over you, though, before we go, I want to pray these foxes out of your life. Father, thank you for your word. And when you release a word, you want to accomplish it. You said it doesn't return to you void. It accomplishes what you sent it to do. It prospers the thing wherein you sent it. So prosper your people through your word today. Give them wisdom. Give them courage. Give them grace. Give them the ability. To identify and to overcome, to set boundaries and to address whatever the foxes are that are keeping them from doing and being their best. You've heard this prayer. We ask it in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless your family. See you next time. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. We really hope it added to you. Please do subscribe and leave a rating. Five star would be a great idea. <laughs> kindly follow us on instagram at this and that podcast thank you